Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. And let's get outside and uh, get the get the tulips out there and uh, do a few things. I got Terry Kemper with me. He's ready. He's got his uh, he's got his Crocs on, his shorts, ready to go out and do a little gardening this morning. You got your sun hat on, Terry. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, no, but it's not uh, too far away. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I uh, did a little interview with uh, the new host of the the Drive Home Show, Sarah, and she was just asking me about uh, what does this weather do to plants. And and, I, and after I thought about it a bit, I go, it, it really doesn't do. A, I guess it does do a lot if you're pushing the zone. But if you've done a lot of the things that you and I have been talking about over the last. Uh, couple months of winterizing, watering them in well, mulching where necessary, a um, little snow farming. And it is a blessing we did get that snow ahead of this cold. Yeah, um, for sure. To give everything a bit of a root cover, creates that little uh, igloo effect underneath there. So they're they're definitely a lot more protected. Um, so, I, I, yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on that, Terry? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're our our plants actually need this period of dormancy. They need, they need this period of cold. Um, and it's on days like today that I remind myself, I once heard that um, people in Hawaii are je um, jealous that we can grow peonies here and they can't. And the reason we can is that we get these deep um, cold periods for them to reset themselves. Yeah. So um, that helps me get through it a little bit, knowing that. <laughs> yeah, there's a pro way. Eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I could live without uh, peonies, but maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> They're good. They're good. Um, it, it is a little bit, um, it is cold for sure. Um, but if you dress warm, dress properly, and uh, it's funny, I was out yesterday with my son, and I have my big boots on and my big coat, and he has his regular coat and his van running shoes on, and I'm just like, I didn't say nothing. I just like... Uh, it, it is no use, right? Because it's I just know my feet feel really good, and uh, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure how his, his feet were feeling after a bit. We weren't outside too long, but yeah. if you dress warm and obviously cover up exposed skin, be careful out there. Obviously, um, sure. I did yeah. I did see on the news there were some guys swimming in the river yesterday. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, day before. Um. It, it it's just uh i get it i guess maybe but <laughs> i i did go in the hot tub so <laughs> with with a toucan so that was uh what uh, did you get yeah i think so I, I i thought about doing the old uh swedish thing go dive in the snow and then back Plunge. in the yeah yeah but then i said uh it feels pretty cozy <laughs> i think i'll just i'm good um, got a quick text already, and if anybody wants to join us, if you're just sitting at home wondering what to do, what to talk about, you want to give Terry and Merle a call, talk some gardening, what to seed, what to do this time of year, uh, by all means, please give us a call, 403-974-8255, and we'll talk about almost anything right now for the next bit, <laughs> for a couple hours. We'll, we'll definitely talk gardening as much as possible, but if you have something else you want to add in... Um, I've got one. It says, morning, Mel. I, I think you meant Merle, I'm assuming. 
Um, I was going to try some snow farming, but I went to spruce it up for some winter squash and snow peas. You were sold out already. So when might the next shipment be in? Um, they, they're restocking everything. Those ones, it must have been people coming in right away because we've had them in for about a week or so. Um, so they'll be probably restocked this week coming up. And we'll be getting and more and more. So they, they kind of give us a a few packs of each varieties just to get us going for the 1st of January here. Um, so Larry, um, this week will definitely be restocked. And I'll send a note right now to uh, Jaden and that to make sure that um, we are getting those in some winter squash and snow peas. Yeah, I did I did some snow farming in the last few days. Um definitely threw it in some areas underneath the spruce trees over top of my North pole spruce. Mm -hmm. And I, I have some yuccas that were pretty exposed on the edge. So I tried to get some snow on top of those ones as well. So, and, uh, yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I know everyone talks about it, the cold and, uh, but it wasn't a record. Gord was the same. Gord's our producer on the show here. He was just saying we missed the record by one degree yesterday. So that must that must be the global warming they're talking about. That must be. Um, yeah, we didn't quite make the record from <laughs> as cold as it was. Off by one degree. <laughs> yeah. One good thing for you carbon tax fans, um, you'll be burning it up like crazy f for the last week or so in the next few days. So um, we're lucky there. We get to, to pay a lot more carbon tax. So that's a good thing. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Larry said he was kidding. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know for sure if that was, because we did have quite a few people in um, buying seeds yesterday. I, I was, people and, early, uh, yeah. There's some yeah. But a lot of people want to get them out early because if you don't get those certain ones, then sometimes there's limited varieties. Um, and it, and it's and it's good. At Lisa and I were joking. We were walking around, and I said, uh, um, we, we do get a lot of people when it's this cold, just come there just for that little tropical vacation. So she did do a little post on Instagram sort of saying, hey, come on down for your vacation. And um and we do get a lot of that. People just come and walk through the tropical area, and it's nice and warm in there. And, uh, yeah, in enjoying the, the weather inside, obviously. Yeah, on days like today, it's, a, it's definitely a treat to wander around the greenhouse and uh, and take all in that <clears throat> that green goodness that's there for sure. Yeah, and there's a few spots in town. I guess you could go down to the atrium um, Devonian Gardens. I haven't been down there for years. I think they've renovated that, and I haven't been down for quite a long time. I'll have to maybe check that out. If anybody's gone down there, maybe let us know what it's like down there. Um, what other place? You go to the zoo, I guess. There's parts of the zoo where you can go inside. Maybe check out the polar bears. The polar bears are back. You can see them diving in the water when they love this weather. It's perfect for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> too cold for the penguin walk. I always wonder about that one, too. So. <laughs> Cause you feel, I feel like I'm a penguin out there walking. You got all your stuff on, you're bundled yeah. up, and you're you're sort of shuffling along the parking lot so you don't slip and fall. Watching and, your step, short steps, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than um, falling in in on, when it's this cold and you land on your butt. That's uh, that's no fun. I no. know it happened to me last year. I when my knee was 
messed out because I kind of lost my core um, balance um, for a while there when my knee was messed up there for a bit. It's and it's great now, um, thanks to the knee clinic. And uh, but I, I just remember walking and actually Derek and I were going into a at the saddle and I hit a piece of ice and I ended up on my uh, my oh. butt and then it was just. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing worse. You look around, eh? it's more of the embarrassment than anything. And then a little later, your butt feels a little bit sore. But anyways, it's... It happens uh, to us all. I did that last week, actually, at my son's place. So <clears throat> it happens when you least expect it. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, you have... Uh, your son uh, bought an acreage, so we're going to be doing some little landscaping, some planting, some shelter belts, some things out there with him, I'm hoping. He was in... Yeah, he's pretty excited. He's uh, uh, a new property owner um, and uh, excited with his uh, couple acres he's got there to do some things in the spring. So definitely be giving him a hand with that. And Yeah, it's absolutely. Having a, having, a, I guess, a new project uh, to... Um, <laughs> uh, I might have to commandeer some space and... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, maybe you could take up some... Uh, um, growing areas now because I know your yard is pretty, um, pretty tied up yeah. with flowers and with shrubs and stuff. Yeah. So if you ever wanted to grow a little bit of something, you could uh, um, definitely do that. We got a <coughs> um, morning. Are those LED grow lights effective? Absolutely. They're great. Um, a lot of the new lights are really good. They're the full spectrum LED. Um, they work really well. So, um, so absolutely. They're uh, they're and they're good for you as well. Like just to get that uh, get some real sunshine in. If you have a darker house or things like that, um, absolutely they are um, they are they're great and uh, and they've come in a lot better. Um, they come in bulbs now. They also we have different lengths and they're they're a little bit more cost effective. But they likely last forever too. Like you you get them. I think the life on them is like five million hours or something but not quite that but fifty thousand hours or something so i think once you invest in something decent um you, you get that right so yeah absolutely do you use I, do you use lights at all terry i i just have one actually uh i brought yeah. home uh in the fall one of the mossify um plant lights and uh put it upstairs and it's in a um it's a it's in a space where it gets, you know, covers probably two or three plants, but yeah. they're all they're all doing great. And uh, I, uh, I wish I had just brought one home years ago. So, yeah, absolutely. We got new ones too that you can clip onto your little plant pot. So if you have a little African violet, or so it actually works. Okay, maybe almost a reading light as well as a little plant light. So you can put it. It, is, it has comes with a stake. It goes and it looks looks nice. It doesn't. Look, yeah, they look great. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a little puck style um, LED. Um, on uh, on a stick that screws yeah. to the side of your pot, and yeah, it's quite attractive. And it uh, it's nice because you can program it to, you know, if you want eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours of light, um, plug it in and just let it go. You're not dealing with you know anything terribly complex in terms of a timer or anything like that. Um, it's out of the box and working in a matter of minutes. So can't uh, absolutely. I need to grab a couple more. I think. Absolutely. Well, I'm. Uh, I think we should probably take a quick break, Terry. All right. And if and uh, we got a couple of texts, but if anyone wants to give us a shout, um, let me know what's going on this morning in your world. 
um, when it's minus 35. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the phone lines will be wide open, and they are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. Even in minus 30, we are doing reduced hours yesterday and today, um, 10 to 4. Um, just uh, give everybody a little extra time to get in and out and uh, let, our, let our team um, make sure everyone gets to work safely and all that and give us time to make sure everything's up and running at the store. Um, it's a little bit uh, harder. We got actually um, great uh, heaters. Just put in a couple new heaters again. So we're kind of yeah, set was, right now for a while. So well makes a big difference. Yeah. 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 It's uh in the, yeah, in the tr- in the one trop house it, it does make a big difference with it put those two new heaters just in and uh makes quite a difference. It kinda all, everything flows around nice. Like usually in the store last year when we had that old boiler going, it would be like plus five in the store on days like this, plus ten maybe. By the end of the day it might catch up. But uh yeah, it's uh it's great right now. We got everything working good and uh yeah, I'm uh, glad we got the natural gas because we had propane before, and then we had run the natural gas line in a couple years ago. And uh, and in this weather, you don't realize that propane actually turns to jelly. So we had all those heaters strapped to the propane tank to keep the keep the fuel. We wonder why our unit heaters weren't running so efficiently, right? So you learn lots in cold weather: what works, what doesn't work. And uh, and then we all had that uh, beep 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 last night at six thirty. Tell everyone to turn off all your power and uh, get everything down, or they're going to do rolling blackouts. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a wonder. I I hope. Uh, um, yeah, I think we're in for some different stuff coming on if they keep pushing. Um, I'm a big fan. I hope they push more towards the hydrogen for the vehicles. I think that makes sense for us because if we were trying to run all this on electrical right now and there's no wind yesterday, barely any sun, if we're going to rely on the windmills and the, and the solar, I think we're going to be hard-pressed um, to make it uh, through on some of those days. So anyways, I'm uh, very thankful for uh, – for the gas that we have and uh, keeps us nice and warm and keeps the power because the electricity has to come from somewhere. You just don't Definitely. plug it in. And, uh, and that's the weird thing about that. It just, it just isn't there. Cause you put a plug there. It, uh, <laughs> it all has to come from somewhere, but uh, certain parties don't like to talk about that at all. So anyways, we will, yeah. again, I, I got to, I got to make sure I don't venture too far into that area. But we did have a few texts asking me a couple thoughts on on the taxes and stuff like that. So um, the one guy goes, "Oh, the carbon tax! You're going to get your rebate coming back." And I, I kind of joked. I go, "Yeah, I love that one. Take it, give it back to you." But then they give it to a bunch of people that don't even pay it, like my kids. Like I pay all the <laughs> I pay all the taxes and and the heating bills and the fuel. And and they they're each getting a bunch of cash back. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, slide those over to me. I'm the one paying that tax, you guys. But uh, 
again. And I'm sure there's no bureaucracy in between. When they take a hundred bucks, I guarantee you how much of that by the time it makes it through gets back to us. But anyways, we will move on. Um, it's a good time. Uh, I remember this is when we used to always seed our pansies, but um, just to get them going at this time of year. So a lot of people are looking to to get into to, to doing some stuff um, at this time of year. Some of your colder climate, some of your things that you can do at this time of year, if you want to, herbs are a good one. And we're talking grow lights, um, good time to seed some herbs. Um, if you want to do some pansies, you want to get some stuff ready early, so that way you have some color early in the spring. And unless you got lots of room, the biggest thing I find, hey, Terry, is just don't do too crazy, eh? Yeah, I think that's I think that's good advice. It's you know, a little package of seeds can go a long way. So, um, and and do make sure that if you're doing that, that you've got the right um, the right light, uh, and that might even mean acquiring some lights, some grow lights. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> If you don't, you're just setting yourself up for for disappointment. Things that you know struggle for light get long and leggy. Um, so um, it's just good idea to make sure you've got the um, the right space and the right the right light if you're going to start seeds this early. Yeah, absolutely. I got a quick text here. Hey, Merle, where can I find a good resource? for when to kick off seeds inside. I don't want to miss the window this year. My peppers were flowering in September. <clears throat> we, we we definitely have a seed guide. If you go to West Coast Seeds, their website, they have a good one. Um, we have one. I'll see if I can find it, and then I can text it back to you um, as well. But we, we do have a, a seed guide at the store with all kind of the dates and stuff like that. And yes, I agree. If you get your peppers, if peppers, I would, that's something you can start a bit earlier too, like um, March 1st, something like that, a little bit earlier, get them going. So then by the time you get them outside, they're not, yeah, there's nothing worse than everything's, you got all these green tomatoes and tiny peppers in the end of September and they're not quite ready yet, right? You're going into, into the cool time. Um, anyways, um, what, what do your, what, what kind of things would you start right now, Terry? Uh, I would probably, you know, for me, it's, it's still a tiny bit early. Even when I did the milk jug, um, work last year, I didn't start that until February. Yeah. But, uh, anything that requires that, you know, maybe a period of cold for the seeds <clears throat> like poppies. Um, I, I started in February last year. Uh, they're one that requires that uh, period of cold to break dormancy. Yeah. Uh, echinacea is another one that people start in site early. Uh, yeah. Get going. Uh, what else? Rubecchia would be another one. Yeah. So you're, these are all perennials that you're talking mainly, right? Yeah. You... Um, I tend to be more perennial guy than, than annual. Yeah. And uh, perennials right take now, a bit more work though, right? And Thank and you. we're just at the end here. We got to take a quick yeah. break, Terry. So we'll we'll hit on um, seeding. We'll do a perennial section that Terry has, and then we'll hit annuals a little bit more of my forte, a bit more on that. And uh, we'll do that right after the break. And we're going to stay away from all that other stuff. We're going to stick with gardening, and uh, for the next uh, hour and a half here. Um, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. 
You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And I've got a text, Terry. Um, Merle, I have a white oak tree in my backyard. Every year in August, it saps so bad and is full of wasps. Wondering if there's anything you can do to stop this. Um, <laughs> typically, they do that. It's kind of a, it's a sweating mechanism. Um, that they do. It's same with aspens. Like they, in those hot days, they sweat out um, little sugar, and then the that that's what attracts the wasps and and that onto the leaves. Um, I don't think there's much you can do about that, is unless you maybe try to cool the roots down a bit. Um, it does look like it's right up beside some concrete, and, and maybe it's a little bit warm, but. I know I had some whole bunch of columnar aspens in a yard and they were in a real hot spot and uh, they would sweat and emit that uh, sugary water sap out of the of the leaves and the, and the bark a little bit and then the, the wasp would just be attracted like crazy. Any thoughts on to get your uh, oak tree not to sweat, Terry? Not off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I've, I've I've not experienced that in any of my own plants, um, but yeah, it, and it's a beautiful I, I, oak. To, like this, trying to jump in and, and alter, you know, um, <laughs> it, it, its growing habit. Uh, just just know that you know um, that plant might experience that uh, in some heat and just. Like you had said, make sure that its needs are met, that's well watered, and it's not stressed in any way. Yeah, and that's the only thing. Like, I'm just looking at this oak, and it's beautiful. I, I can't believe how like it's this big. It's 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 a gorgeous oak. Like it, that's gonna be probably one of the bigger ones I've ever seen. If this is in Calgary, I'm not sure if she's in Calgary or Lethbridge or, but it's um it's it's a beauty, and it's but it is around all the concrete. So, if possible, if you could get it out of uh, maybe cut out some of the concrete and uh, try to get a bit more of a tree well around it a bit and uh, have soil and then mulch over top to keep it from um, just getting so hot um, from sweating. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful tree. Um, yeah. Amazing. Like you don't see a lot of big oaks like that in Calgary. Oaks um, tend to be yeah. on the, other side for us just because of their their growing habits. Yeah, so this one has to be, well, you can see on the growth on it, like it's just three or four inches each year, but it's, it's, it's in the 25 foot range. So it's a, it's a beauty and it's actually looks pretty well structured too. It needs a little bit of pruning, just a bit of some of the crossing branches and stuff, but um, it looks to be in very good shape. Another quick, um, text here does soaking seeds overnight help them much of a jump start um it, it does definitely with some for sure um to, to soften up the like you know my mom used to always do all the peas and beans she would soak them in water the day before and then she'd plant them the next day um that definitely is uh is a way of uh, of helping with some of them but if you're putting them in good soil and a lot of it, you don't really need to do them ahead of part, but absolutely, like it, it definitely doesn't hurt um, to to on some of the seeds. Some of them, you don't want to do it, like some of the softer annual seeds. More the ones with a with a heavy crust on them that are really hard shell is ones that I would do that a bit more. 
Terry, what's your thoughts on the on some of the perennial? Um, I know sometimes you got to scarify them, scarify them. I'm um, scratch the. Some people say sandpaper, some yeah. of their seeds. Um, what What are your thoughts? Trying to get through that hard seed coat. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I generally, um, I have not done that, um, but I have heard of people that'll take a, a really fine grit sandpaper and just rub the seed. Um, ever so slightly just to help break that, that seed coat. Uh, when I have planted seeds, um, I do require more so, I guess, that natural. Um, they, they will accomplish that in the winter with a period of freeze and thaw. So yeah. and just before the break there, we started talking about some of the, the perennial seeds that you can grow that will do that and need that, what they call vernalization, which is that period of cold to break the, yeah. the dormancy on it. So, um just to add to that list that I gave, uh, so I mentioned uh, coneflowers and um, black-eyed Susans, but uh, foxgloves are another one uh, that do well by that. Delphiniums, uh, I've grown some lupins that way as well. Uh, Shasta daisies. So yeah. there's a number of them that, that will grow well, uh, but I've never, me personally, uh, I have uh, watched, I've seen it done. Um, and it, it's a very careful process. you got to know what you're doing, but um, I mostly rely on Mother Nature and just that period of cold to help help accomplish that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I'm trying to think of the seeds that we used to do. We used to scratch them a bit more on on some things to uh, to do that. It's um, I'm trying to think. Of, I thought it was Snapdragon. Snapdragons we used to freeze. Um, to first get them cold and, and do that. Um, but trying to think what other seeds we used to do that. Um, it just seems uh, like you just, seeds just grow p- for the most part. I don't know if the seed companies do something to them a bit more now than, than what uh, they, they maybe used to do to prep them. But it just seems really good quality seeds is the biggest thing to start out with as well. And that, that just really seems to make a big difference on, on your germination. If you're buying the cheapest possible seeds and, and things like that, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I think if you're starting out with good quality um, seeds, I think you're going to be in really good shape for the most part. And uh, I know we carry the West Coast and Pacific West seeds, um, both kind of Western Canadian seeds. Because I know there is some other ones um, that, uh, yeah, they're just this mass produced, and they're not. And the other, there's there's quite a few good seed companies, and I know a lot of people like to do them online. But I found some people are saying that it's actually quite a bit less money to just get them at the store because the freight, what they're starting to charge on some of that shipping has gone up quite a bit so i and if you do have a west coast seed you can go into most of your um favorite garden centers whatever and uh they can bring them in for you um right away um we the 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 people at west coast seeds are great they're in our store all the time restocking and and helping us out making sure we have everything going like crazy all the seeds and if we if we don't have something that you might be looking for um, just leave us a note at the store and we can definitely get it in for you right away. And, 
and within like i think we can get a shipment within three days typically from west coast so um we're pretty fortunate that way they have a good system they've been in the seed business for for quite a while and they've they kind of got it down packed and yeah. how they work with the retailers to to ensure that we can get uh, seeds in stock for you um asap um and as far as asp we got to take a quick break get some commercials to run and we get back Phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coons. I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we're going to chat some seeds here in a bit. We do have a caller on the line. Um, we're going to go to Ray. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. How can we help you? Uh, what I was wondering is, uh, I'm getting my backyard done, and uh, up against the fence, uh, I was thinking of putting up some uh, columnar trees, just yep. sort of for privacy. Yeah. And I was just wondering what would be best for the Calgary area. Um, are you looking for like this fast growth and, and the privacy? Those are your the kind of number one priorities, or? Yeah, and I was looking for something that doesn't have a bunch of leaves that you're going to have to rake up in the fall. Yeah, that um, it's a little bit tougher on that one because if with when you want to get the higher up and you're going to have more coverage for the privacy, like typically what you see around is a lot of columnar aspens are being used, mm-hmm. um, um, and those work. Um, very well. Another one I, I like using the gladiator crab apple. They get about 15 feet wide. They kind of have a, they grow in a really nice vase shape. And if you kind of plant them in threes, um, they work really well. Um, and there is a, and there's some, them, some, the purple spire, but they're, they're, they're quite narrow. They only get about two feet wide. So for privacy, they're not going to do a lot. Um, Terry, what, what would you recommend someone comes in, Ray's come down to the tree lot there and says, Terry, I want some privacy? Yeah, I'd probably look at the uh, columnar hackberry uh, as another option. That's uh, one that we have uh, on display at the garden center by the front entrance there. It's a really nice size uh, columnar tree. There's also some columnar crab, or not crab, apple, columnar apple trees uh, that uh, have been recently introduced to uh, the trade. And I think they hold some promise for for being used as a as a privacy barrier as well. Um, gladiator, like you mentioned, is another great one. Most people don't think of crab apples as a columnar type tree, but the growth habit on on the newer ones for our smaller yards are uh, are great for that. Yeah, and in in a grouping of three, like you say, they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And with the aspens, uh, are they they last pretty good? A long lifetime? Oh, yeah, you get yeah they they twenty thirty years for the most part or more, and as long as you've pruned them like properly, looked after them, watered them. Um, the biggest thing with the aspen is too is make sure you have a good tree well around them or or they're planted in a bed. Um, I see them so often in the middle of the lawn or, or along the lawn. They have grass right up to them, and people use the weed whippers up against them. They're really quite a soft um, bark tree as well. And when you open any of the wounds, 
it also um, opens it up to that bronze leaf disease that um, that we've seen go through on some of the aspens. So that if you if you're putting them in the right spot, put them in a good shrub bed. Um, yeah, they last forever. Um, watering them properly, um, and make sure you don't get the tower poplars. Um, they're often sold at some of the box stores as as columnar aspens, and people say, "Well, they're cheap," but they also grow crazy. Like we don't even really sell them. I think we we bring them in once in a while for people like special requests, um, but we try not to put them into the city yards anymore because they just sucker like crazy, and they grow um, very fast. And which it's good on an acreage if you have lots of room, but in a in a city lot, I think they cause more more grief for you than uh, than what you can get from a columnar aspen. So, Terry, your th- what do you think on? Yeah, I'd also look at some of the um, columnar evergreens that we have too, like columnar yep. eagle. It's another one, columnar scotch pine. Uh, so don't just limit yourself to the deciduous. Also, you know, know that there's some evergreens out there too that will will do well with that sort of tall, yeah, narrow yeah, look. Yeah, mix and match. Maybe go two two of the gladiators and then flank them on each side of that with a with a columnar evergreen. So you get some nice design, a bit of color um, year round as well. I love mixing pines with with the evergreens on that. You kind of create that nice pillar effect around your yard, Ray. Yeah, um, which is quite nice. <clears throat> if you go, is- if you go to our website too, we have a really good thing called the Plant Finder. If you if you go on our website, hit the Plant Finder, and type in kind of what you're looking for, privacy, and it, it'll pull up a bunch of pictures for you as well. And you can just go add to my list, add to my list, add to my list, and and then you can go print my list, and then that you can share that with your landscaper as well, and say, hey, this is kind of plants. Or if you're come down to see Terry in the spring. And uh, and look at getting that as well. So, um, a couple options for you. Okay, thanks a lot. All righty, all right, thanks, Ray. Take care. Bye. Bye, bye. All right, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. Um, Got quite a few texts, um, but the phone lines are wide open as well. 403-974-8255. Yeah, I'm just looking through the seed list here for the annuals and and that it's a it's a little bit slow at this time. You said January. There's not a lot. I guess we used to start them January. The main reason was is that we needed we only had so much time to grow everything that we were going to grow for the season as well. Um, so we had to. Uh, uh, start nice and early to get things um, going in time for uh, for the spring. So, um, yes, and actually that tree, I thought it was probably from Lethbridge because, again, I, it's just hard to get an old tree that growing that quick, and it is that much. They're probably a f- – we're a 4A here, Terry, down in Lethbridge. What would you think they would be? Yeah, um, they would – they would be a little what? bit better than us for sure. That was that was a stunning picture. I, um, I mean, that was a just classically, you know, classic shape. It's got that winter silhouette, <clears throat> nice branching. And uh, I was going to add that too uh, with that uh, last call, of the gladiator crab apple. Um, yeah. The advantage of that one as well is that it has 
that really nice dark bark. So it set off really well against the snow. And that's a really uh, strong consideration when you're considering, you know, plants for uh, adding winter beauty to your yard. Just things that stand out and, and offer that contrast. So don't be just limited to flower color. Uh, also be looking at the bark as well. And that applies well, to so many things like, um, you know, ponderosa pines, for example, have sort of that beautiful rusty coppery bark as well. Or, no, and that's it, it, you really got to look at the off season. We have eight months of the year where we don't yeah. typically have leaves on our plants, right? So we get leaves starting like May, June, July, August. I guess September we still have leaves in and talk over. So maybe five or six, five months, um, solid with leaves. So that's sort of seven, six to seven months without leaves. Yeah. So, yeah, and if you don't have any contrast, like that's where you got to mix in those evergreens. And there's so many nice varieties now that you can mix in with your with your ever with your all your deciduous and that. And it's also the different textures um, of a plant. And actually, we were we had out last night for just a little bit. And this um, um, this one house just had their they had some white lights, and it didn't look like Christmas lights. It just looked like accent lights on their tree but it was just it was planted really nice in the front yard um stuff like that and and lighting in at this time of year is really adding that to your landscape um up lighting on your trees different things because in the summertime it like let's be honest it doesn't get dark till 10 or 11 at night so typically your lights come on and you're asleep uh, this time of year is really when you're when you get to enjoy your outdoor lighting because it comes up through the snow. You're sitting there at dinner. You're looking out the window. You get to see your lights um, lighting up your trees and accenting certain things. So it, it, it's pretty. Um, this sort of the winter is more when you you get those effects of your landscape um, of the alternative planting with evergreens and also lighting. Um, comes into play a fair bit um, into your landscape at this time of year is when you get to enjoy it. And and, so, and that's why sometimes it's a hard sell when we are doing it in the springtime because people um, are saying, well, I don't really see it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, it is important to, to try to see and, and, and adding those little things to your landscape if you're looking to to create something a little bit different and adding some feature because once you get lighting and I did landscaping for a guy who owned a lighting company a long time ago. And, and he kind of taught me about lighting it's, and it's not about the fixture it's about the light. Um, he had quite a large house and you couldn't see one light fixture in his whole house. So it was just more about the up lighting. So you don't want to create like an aircraft landing pad on your driveway, but, it's more the accent lighting, the lighting up. And start out with less is more a lot of times. Um, have good quality lighting and not necessarily super fancy fixtures. Cause, and those come into play as well. But it's more about the light. And, yeah, and once you, you you do that, uh, it makes, I don't know, you see such a difference. And, uh, and it, it is amazing. We should maybe get a lighting person we can talk about that as well because that's something uh, i i love when it, when you see a house that's lit up nicely in the in the winter time just highlighting the plants and its shadows you create those neat little um 
pirouette or the silhouettes and different things. So anyways, we have to take a quick break and we got quite a few texts. Phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I'm here with Terry Kemper. Um, receiving a few good texts. This one I always love. These waxwings are having a feast on our mountain ash berries. That's kind of know when you kind of get past the years. In usually mid-January to February, you start seeing the waxwings coming through. And, uh, yeah, they can strip a, a tree of its berries in a matter of seconds. Those things, they come in and just uh, um, like a feeding frenzy and, uh, well, feed off all those berries. But it's pretty cool to see the, how they kind of swoop in and do the thing and then uh, swoop out when they're done. We're going to go to the phone lines. We do have Dawn on the line. Good morning, Dawn. Hey, Dawn. Hi, good morning. Hi, Don. How can we help you? Um, I've planted a number of um, groupings of poplars, and they're, okay. they're around 10 to 12 years old. Uh, one group of them have been suffering heavily. Okay. Um, my thought is, should I cut those suckers out of there, or just are they benefiting the trees? Um. Well, typically what it is when it gets a bit more stressed out, maybe that one area, is it a little bit higher up, maybe not getting as much water as some of the other areas that where you planted the groupings? Uh, it is one of the lower areas, you know, not extreme, but it's a little bit lower okay. there. Okay. Um, and it could be the type of poplar, so I don't know what, <laughs> you know, there were a number of groups that we planted. Well, yeah, they're, they're a colony-type plant, right? So how they reproduce... Uh, is as they grow and get a certain lifespan, they'll send out um, plants or new new trees from the root system, and they yeah. sucker up, and then then they grow and they push out the old ones as they go. Um, so yeah, depending on what type they are, <clears throat> but typically they do it a bit more when they're stressed out. Um, so okay. do you what do you have around the soil? Like do you have them in beds? Like do you have the grass cut out, or are they just in grass or? It is primarily, you know, well, they're, they're of course, larger now, but uh, in terms of their, their branch spread, but they have pretty much left uh, kind of a, a, a part of the soil that's not growing. Well, there's some grass, but some not. Yeah. It is, yeah. In, it is in a field area, of course. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's... And some varieties will sucker a bit more, like if you if you if you planted a few different varieties. Um, so yeah, without knowing for sure, but typically it's when they get stressed out because then they feel okay, I need to start reproducing, so then they'll send out more suckers. So that's typically what what will happen on on a lot of those. And uh, yeah, and, and it's good that you're up. So. For the most part, if they're suckering far enough away and you're, you're okay with them, just creating that natural forest grove, um, I, I'm not totally opposed to just letting them do their thing. But if they're if they're getting a little bit crazy, I wouldn't hesitate to cut some of them out, right, and control which ones you want to let go and some that you don't. Um, okay, you can do that as well. All right. So either All either right. one would work, but like I said, it. It's kind of neat when you do get that forest floor. You maybe want to add a couple evergreens into those groupings if they're close enough to the house where you can enjoy it. Sort of create that natural forest look. Maybe a couple yeah. spruce or a couple um, 
couple pines or something like that into into the mix um, would add a nice little thing to those groupings. Good idea. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All righty. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Don. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So, so Terry, we started talking about uh, seeds, and I, I got the the North Central um, chart for for the for a lot of the perennials yeah. and things like that. So what? So it, it sort of says that a lot of them they don't recommend starting until get to about mid mid February. It sort of it says you could you should start doing your violas and. And yeah, I think that's that. a good. I think that's a good time. Yeah, March is the heavy. Yeah, yeah March is the big time. Being able to put things outside, so it's yeah, uh, it's a tough time of year because we all want to, you know, be doing something, um, green and nurturing something. Um, but it's still just a little bit on the early side for seeds for us here. Yeah, unless yeah, that's and I sort of re re. Uh, Rethought about my statement. I said, "Hey, we used to start the pansy sort of January first, second, But the main reason of that is that we only had so much time to to get those seeded, do that, and then get through all the seeds that we need to do throughout right. the whole and growing the season. Is that you can push them outside <clears throat> early, early spring, and they can take a a frost and they're yeah. down back, right? Yeah, they Not, can freeze solid. So, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why we started those early. They'd go out usually April first, um, and and typically, and I still, that's typically when we try to plant that. Uh, we have the big pansy bowl in the front of the store that we plant up uh, early spring, and typically do that uh, around April first, and uh, yeah, it's sort of a keeping my tradition of moving the pansies outside. <laughs> um, I got a couple more texts here. It says, "Good morning, fellow Bonesian. What would you recommend to keep the garden soil loose so it doesn't harden up? What do you What do you do, Terry? Well, I I generally try to nurture and and add to that soil on a regular basis. Um, kind of feeding it. I don't I don't uh, rototill or anything like that. What I what I will do is I'll take a pitchfork and I'll just sort of lean back on it, just open the soil up a little bit." And then I'll shake, you know, some compost or uh, some sea soil uh, on there and, and just sort of let, you know, Mother Nature do that work for me. Uh, that's how I, I think if you're continuing that um, that soil amendment on a regular basis, there isn't one thing that you can do on one particular day that's going to change the quality of that soil. It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. No, it's uh becomes uh yeah, you keep adding a little bit and uh I like doing the top dressing like I like adding like the sea soil to the top, like sort of in summer once it's all planted, mixing it in a bit and then I find it gets watered in well and it mixes in with the soil throughout the um throughout the summer and into the fall and then even adding a little bit in the fall and and it kind of works like a mulch and then it holds water and then in the spring you just kind of as you're cultivating your soil you mix it in and just getting that that nice um continual soil because we do have a heavy clay content so um with your question david part of it 
is how bad your soil is. Like, because there's some parts in Bonas where you got lots of rocks. There's other parts, like I had a house on 34th Ave and I think it was 80th Street uh, corner house there. And I thought, man, because I've dug, it was when we had, when I worked at the garden center there, we'd put in the new greenhouses and the similar, similar cold frames that we had just built, Terry. But the digging there, like you go down one inch and you're into the, into the rock bed, the river bed, right? And, but I, my house was like maybe 10 blocks away to the west. And I'm not sure if the guy who built the house had excavated the whole thing out, but I had the bobcat and all that. And I go to auger the holes and there's like six feet of loam and clay, like not a drop, not no. one rock in the whole place. I'm like, <laughs> I, had to, I had my fence post done like in about uh, 15 <laughs> minutes. And it was just, and, and it was just like, Oh man, I thought I was in for a, a day of digging, um, like in San Quentin, almost it was. It was some of the days at Sunnyside. It felt like that. Like when we were putting in those greenhouses, we have to dig those holes, and because you can't use an auger in that, a lot of those, right? And like some ways, we probably could have used the backhoe and and dug a big trench if we were thinking. But um, back then, we didn't do a lot of that, so we just <laughs> it was easier to do shovels, I guess. I'm not too sure, but anyways, kind of laugh about it now, but. Uh, labor was a little cheaper way back when so i think uh they thought it was okay for us just to do it that way <laughs> uh too too funny if, anyways if you've, got that, uh, if you've got that going on with with sort of that um <clears throat> rougher type subsoil um that's a that's a great opportunity to be doing some raised beds um yep. so don't worry about you know gardening in the ground sort of lift it up a little bit and investigate some raised bed gardening and then you get the good drainage as well so so david just reassess what kind of soil you have and how bad it is or how good it is and if it's this really clay um you can add some of the zeolite you can but it's really getting organic matter like the sea soils things like that are really good to add into your into your soil and if you just keep doing it and and sort of like terry says or if it's really bad maybe you're better off to put a row or two of of some sort of raised bed, whether you do a brick or a wood, raise it up and just start out with a good garden mix right from the start and add six to eight inches on top of it. And uh, and mounding up is always a great way to, to garden as well. We're going to take a quick break. Um, when we get back, we'll hit uh, the text line and we'll continue on our seeds. 403-974-8255 if you'd like to join us on the phone lines. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, again, kudos to whoever arranges all the music for, for the shows. I know they're going back to a bit more some of the classic rock stuff. And uh, yeah, I think they do a good job. So Nice work, Gord. Good job. It's enjoyable, you know. A little talk gardening, you know. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's all good. Terry, we have something um, that you're gonna love to talk about. Um, I just going through the text. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on the seeds, but this is. I thought this was a good subject because it, it is something a little bit different. Um, SOS, please talk about roses that are good for hedges. 
Vegas had me rearranging the entire house for the last three days. <laughs> Thanks. And that's from uh, Brian and Riva Las Vegas out there at uh, Belly Acres Farms, I believe. And it's, um, it is something, I, I love alternative hedges. Like, yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, it's so easy just to pop in the old Catoni Aster, you know, and that's sort of what we used to always, that's all you ever seen. Um, I know one that I, I like to use is the nine bark because it, it seems to respond really well to um, pruning and keeping um, trimmed. Like it, they, they, it seems to really like it and, and really does quite well. But roses, and I know you and I have talked about using hydrangeas as a hedge. I, I love that. But roses can make a great hedge, like a lot of the Morden series. Um, they get in that two or three and depends what you're trying to create. If you're trying to create a barrier to keep, um, people out or kids or animals, there's some larger ones that you could do. But, um, I, I like using some of the Morden series, the Morden blush, just doing a nice row of them mixed in with some boxwood, um, make a beautiful hedge. What, what, what are you thinking when you think of a rose hedge, Terry? Yeah, probably my go-tos for that would be uh, the Ragosas. So any of the Ragosa roses, they're super tough. Um, and they almost thrive on neglect. Uh, probably my top one would be uh, one that's hybridized um, here in Alberta. It's an old rose, uh, Therese Bounier. Uh, it's, yes. it's a classic. It's got sort of nice uh, reddish stems through the winter. And the, uh, the new growth actually has no thorns on it. Um, it produces a fairly simple, um, fairly simple looking rose, but I mean it's prolific and it's 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 fantastic, um, and it looks great as a hedge. So uh, I would definitely yeah. be, be looking at that one. And I think you gotta. And I think if you are gonna do a hedge, like a rose hedge, I think you have to you have to pay attention. I would say a little bit more to the pruning as well deadheading and just trying to keep them um nicely nicely shaped good structure to create that nice that nice look um i was trying to think there's one i think the centennial centennial ruby or centennial one of those ones i've seen a couple of those in smaller hedges in sundance on the main drag through there there's a couple man they just bloom like crazy they're in a super hot spot but uh, create just a beautiful little hedge. So, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so Teresa Bugnay's, um, I, I like a lot of the Morden Blushes, the Morden Centennial, a bunch of those ones for good. hedges. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not opposed to mixing it in, like even if you mix in a purple spire, like if you plant three or four roses, put a purple spire in, so you kind of create like a pillar effect. Or even a columnar um, pine or a columnar spruce of some sort, just to get that estate, that old um, feel, and 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 you can create like a really nice look with that. I I did that with hydrangeas and the purple spires. I I planted purple spire, three hydrangeas, purple spire, three hydrangeas, kind of alternating, trying to create just a. Like instead of a fence or a solid hedge, just trying to create something that looks like a barrier, sort of looks right. like it divides the area. Um, yeah. 
Anyways. I would also, uh, I'd also add Emily Carr as another really good one. It's one of the ones in the Artist Series. It's a pillar-type rose, so it grows more upright than it does wide, so it would make a great hedge as well. A nice, deep, dark red bloom on that one, so that's a really good one as well to, yeah. <clears throat> to include there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Emily Carr. What color is that one? That's a deep, quite a deep uh, red color. Oh, okay. Classic red rose coloring on yeah. that one. Uh, it's, it's good. Yeah. And it has a really uh, very different growth habit than than, than most uh, hardy roses. It, like I say, it has that pillar type uh, growth habit, where, yeah. where a lot of them can go sort of sort of that stay lower, go a little bit wider. Emily Carr will go, you know. Uh, I've had it, you know, up in that three foot range uh, in my yard. So be a great one for a hedge. Yep. Here's another text. So I think we covered on that. So alternative hedges. So there's, yeah, roses, great, great, great idea. Hydrangeas, nine barks, things like that. Got on to another text here. Morning, Merle. My neighbor and myself share a small patch between our houses facing north. We are ex both excited about clearing out the old plants in the spring and planting new ones, but we now need, but now we need to change the soil. How would we go about that? Um, thank you, Lindsay. Um, I'm not sure if I would totally change it. I think a bit, probably I, I would assess it. I would remove the plants that you're going to remove. Maybe you can save some of them and and use them again or, or plant them elsewhere. But see what you have left, like dig down a bit. If the soil's still good, there's no sense in just digging it out and then bringing in a new load. I would I would just look at amending the soil for the most part. If you have a good base already and it goes down like 12, 18 inches, something like that, just bring in a, a nice load of garden mix after you've cleaned it out. Turn it over a few times. Um, dig out any roots and different things that may be in there. and uh, And then just... I would just amend it from that point, either with sea soil or a good garden mix. But if you dig down and it's full of tree roots and rocks and this clay, yeah, you might want to get a machine or it depends how big it is, get in, uh, remove a bunch of it, go down 18, 24 inches, something like that, and bring in a nice load of, of, uh, of a nice garden mix to start fresh and, and do it that way. That, uh, that would work is sort of how I see it. But if you have a good base uh, and and I, there's no sense in, in going through all that work and removing it, um, what, 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 what are you thinking, Terry? Yeah, agreed. I wouldn't remove it uh, unless it absolutely needed to, to, to be taken out. Like you say, if it was too um, too filled with it. all depends on what was there, right? If it was too filled with yeah. roots. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, it, you might have to remove a, a, a little bit to make room for some amendment. But that's, that's yeah. all I would do is just amend that soil. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. We got to take a quick break here for the news. And you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs here with Terry Kemper. We're in the last half hour of the show. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Um, we have a couple texts here Terry from one of the our listeners. Hi there. Question about peonies. We have one in our front east facing flower bed. It's at least three feet and healthy. It has not flowered in three years. How can I get it to flower? 
my first thought would be enough light. I know sometimes the peony needs a bit more light, but uh, Terry, what do you, what are you thinking if you have a peony on the east side not blooming? Yeah, they're definitely full sun plants for sure. But usually, if it's not blooming, <clears throat> my experience with that is that it's gotten planted too deep. So the the eyes uh, of the peony you kind of want within that um, inch and a half, um, inch inch and a half of the uh, the, the soil surface. Uh, if you've worked around that peony, planted other things, it's possible that it's just got planted too deep. Uh, so in the spring, I would um, I would lift it up, uh, or just I would investigate it first. So just yeah. uh, move some of the soil up around from the crown of the plant, and just see how deep those eyes are. And if you find that they're fairly deep, um, deeper than that inch, inch and a half, uh, that I would lift it up. Yeah, because it really no, wouldn't be good to dig down and kind of try to expose it that way. If it's just a little bit, you could do that, just remove some of the soil. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, peonies are the one plant that you have to be um, fairly accurate on the depth, right? Yeah, yeah, they're not very forgiving uh, if they get planted too deep. Okay. And, just know that and when, when you're saying the eye... When you're saying the eye, so that's kind of what's coming out of the bulb or what, what yeah. do you, what do you consider? So okay. that's sort of the, the point uh, where that new growth is coming from. So in sure. early spring, when you sort of push that soil away from the crown of the plant, you'll see that sort of that small little um, bit of new growth. Okay. That's what I'm referring to as the eye. Okay. And, and you can also look at feeding, um, but I think sunshine, the depth, um, also, they they can be a little bit heavy feeders, and if you and don't do cleanup in the in the fall. Like kind of let them freeze, let all that um, nourishment from the leaves go back into the bulb, and let it regenerate the root because it it needs that. And uh, sometimes people do a little bit too early of a cleanup, and all that good useful energy that's in the leaf system hasn't had a chance to download into the bulb or the roots um, for next year. Um, they, but when it gets that big, if you're getting it three feet and healthy, um, again, I'm thinking light, but you could also ensure that you're feeding it. And you might want to hit it with a bit of a heavier way. Maybe go to the 15, 30, 15. 15, 30, 15, yeah. Um, give it a good shot of that and, and see what you can do. Um, rage is another good one. It, a lot of times it, it gets plants doing what they should do. It can recorrect things and, and help them uh, get back on track. Okay, and here's question number two from the same listener. Let's go to it. And our hydrangea is also in a flower bed, east-facing, but, but does not get many leaves anymore. It gets a bit more shade as a tree has gotten bigger that covers it. The hydrangea still flowers, just not as many leaves. Do we need to move it to get more light? And I asked what type of hydrangea it was, Terry, and it's a limelight. So, uh, again, that's one that needs a bit more light. If it was an Annabelle or something like that, it could take the shade. Yeah. But the limelight, it, it needs – and if it's not getting the leaves and still blooming – I know. I guess that tells me it's still getting enough light, but it might not be getting enough water um, as as they grow. And with the name, the hydrangea, they do they do require a fair bit of water as well to to hydrate all that foliage and the blooms as well. But I would maybe look at maybe moving it, and if you want some hydrangeas on there, maybe look at Annabelle, hey, or 
what, what kind of luck I had. I had limelights on the east side of my other house I used to have, and they would bloom, but they wouldn't bloom till like end of August, mid August to the end. Yeah. So, yeah, which is a little bit late. So it's nicer if you can get them blooming in July and August so you can enjoy them. Hey, turn. Yeah, that uh, limelight is a paniculata, and like you say, the paniculata types um, are the ones that do require more sun. So it could be that it, it was fine when it was planted, but maybe things have grown up in that area and it's become a little bit more shaded. So uh, if if they still want to grow hydrangeas there, maybe move that one out into a more full sun and maybe move some of the, uh, the smooth of the um, uh, arborescence type, like the Annabelle, like you said, would be a better fit for that. Yeah, uh, because they can of, withstand a, a lot more shade and and underneath things and things like that. They they work better a bit more as a companion yeah. um, plant where a lot of the other ones they kind of need their own space, and and they like to be the focal point, getting the light and and doing what they do. Um, we're pretty lucky though. I'm glad they found those. Like, and it takes a lot of our growers up cruising around in in asia and in europe and things like that trying to find the same zone hardy plants that will work for us here um because man i remember first getting into this industry we had uh and there's still a few landscapers that come in we got potentilla calorie carpet <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's basically what we had almost right like there was a they had some spireas and you, you'd see them planted in everywhere. So it, it's so nice. We have such a good variety of plant material that we can plant um, now in, in Calgary in our area. That makes all the difference. So yeah. anyways, um, here, we'll move on to the next question. We got a few texts and phone lines are wide open. If you'd like to join, 403-974-8255. But here's from Steve. Steve here. I'm asking about a quarter inch soaker hose for vegetable rows <laughs> i would like to cut down on weeds and only water my veg um absolutely soaker hoses are great you can get um the quarter inch soaker hose <clears throat> excuse me and either a, like a sweating type hose where it just leaks out everywhere it's sort of a perforated hose that's sort of like a looks like they've glued a whole bunch of crumb of rubber together and then let the water leak out of it those work really well. There's also the fabric ones. But there's also, if I'm burying one, I might just go right to a bit more of an irrigation quality where the emitters are built right into the right into the hose and you bury the hose into the ground or you can lay it right above it. And it, it kind of has emitters and you can order them either every 8 inches or every 12 inches or, or what have you. And it'll have the emitters built right in. Those work really good. And I know our irrigation team uses them a lot when we're doing a lot of the irrigation. It kind of just soaks the whole area. But that's a great way to um, get the water where you need it and and not wasting any water and get the roots going down. Um, I, I love soaker hoses. I know we talk about them quite a bit for watering and doing different things because um, it just – with our soil, with the heavy clay – um, the, the, the soaker hoses are your best bet, um, or the emitters, um, work really good as well. Um, but that's, that's something I would, uh, I would like to do and, and, uh, and see a bit more of that than just the big sprinkler spraying everywhere and, and yeah. water running down the street. Cause 
Um, I am a fairly big advocate, water conservation. We want to make sure we're using the water when we need it, where you need it. And irrigation systems, they do cost a bit when you get going, but the amount you save on your water and you put the water where you need it, it, it definitely makes a big difference. I couldn't imagine um, watering some of the things and some of the yards that we've created and built or even at the store without some sort of uh, irrigation system. Um, in place, it would be it would be tough. So we'd waste so much more water and time on it as well. So, yeah. All right. Do a great job. I think we should probably yeah we got to take another break here, Terry. All right. And uh, we'll get back. We'll hit a few more texts. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. Here, Terry, got one for you. Hi, I harvested some canna lilies seed last year how hurt how hard is it to propagate them from seed terry you ever done that with the cannas no i've only ever propagated it uh through the through the uh the root yeah i think the seed is going to be a little bit tougher but I, i'm assuming if you've dried them and done what, what how would you go about that one i would probably if she's collected the seed uh, and I would think that it might need a period of, of, of cooling. Uh, I don't think I would plant it right, have planted it right away. Uh, try it and see. I mean, get some good quality potting soil. And uh, if you've had it uh, cooling off in the crisper of your fridge or something, uh, maybe next month uh, plant them up and see what they do. Yeah. But with uh, with with cannas, uh, I mean, because when you know, you plant a can of one year. Uh, and you'll be amazed at how big that, that root system gets. Uh, if you do your due diligence and um, get that prepped, uh, you can't leave it outside over the winter. But if you've lifted it, divided it, and uh, stored it in your basement properly, um, you can easily propagate uh, cannas that way. Um, I think much uh, much easier than, than seed, but yeah, try and see. Yeah. Um, but if you do, if you if you if you save the bulbs, a lot of times they're a little bit easier to to propagate and separate and and do it that way as well. Eh? For sure, they are. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Good morning, guys. My neighbor is asking about starting veggie seeds indoors under grow lights anytime soon. Is it a good time to start tomatoes, Alan? I, I think we're really too early for that. Um, tomatoes, yeah. I, I would look at uh, beginning of March. If and if you have enough growing room, I think you're going to be fine with if you if you waited till 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 um, end of February, March. That gives you lots of time to get them growing, and even that's a bit early if you don't have the space because tomatoes grow really quite quickly. And they do. And if you're starting a lot of your seeds, and everybody's got to remember this: if we start, if you're starting your plants in january february everything's going to take a little longer it's going to get leggy there's not enough light you don't have the warmth um but if you're starting them in march april they're going to germinate quicker the days are longer it's going to grow twice as fast and healthy because it's going to have the light and the time so um i think getting into march april for a lot of the veggies i i myself would wait at least to that um Peppers, you might start a little bit earlier, but I, I think on on a lot of those, if you if you're just starting too early, 
um, it just ends up being um, just long and leggy, and you don't really have anywhere to uh, to 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 keep keep them under control. I guess, eh, Terry? Yeah, the big thing is, like you say, the, I mentioned earlier in the show, the light. Um, you can get them going and propagated, no problem. But if you've got the, the proper light, uh, you're gonna have, you're gonna struggle <clears throat> with with having those things thrive. So yes, absolutely. You got the space and the light. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, again, just remember that, like a lot of the stuff you want to start early, um, it will grow really twice as fast if you're starting it a little bit later so but waiting too long also on some of those like some of the tomatoes and peppers and and certain things you're not going to get your blooms in time and one of the big ones i see is sometimes the spring bulbs um um gladiolas started too late you'll see them they're big green spikes in september and they just haven't got the bloom so so some of those ones you want to start again beginning of march get them going and and that way you're going to have good success and and end up with the good blooms throughout the throughout your season i got one more quick text actually let's just take a break and then we'll hit the text line after this there's quite a few that we'll go through and we'll try to answer the rest of them um off air as well we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And we do have actually a caller that uh, uh, we better get to here real quick. We'll go to Rory. Good morning, Rory. Hi there. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you good. Go ahead. How can we help you? Okay. Uh, hi, Merrill. I uh, recently put two uh, four trees all together, two cherry trees, two pear trees in my yard and i would like yep. you to know what time's best to prune them i have a few dead little branches right not a lot but what would be yeah, the best i would time wait I would wait to like early March on those. Um, you can do it at that time and without any issue, just removing the deadwood, dead, dead, dead disease and damage, any crisscrossing branches, especially on your fruit trees. And, and it, okay. when they're younger, it's important to get the grid structure. So, okay. but uh, yeah, sort of March is good. Get through this heavy cold um, before you do it. Cause that way, the less you prune, if it's really, really cold like this, on some of those ones, especially the younger fruit, um, you're going to save some of the dye back on them. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Pearl. Keep up the great work. All right, work, take care. Th yeah. Thanks, Rory. Bye -bye. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Um, where are we at here? Let's go to the text here. I have geraniums blooming in my greenhouse. Will they continue to bloom through spring also have fuchsia that was blooming in my greenhouse till december i moved it into the house during the cold spell still nice and green what should i do to keep them going those are perfect plants for either if you want to do a bit of a stock plant um or you can just continue um growing them like house but i always typically at this time of year would cut them back i would take about a third off the top remove any of the dead and old wood when you go through it just thin them out a bit and just cut them back, transplant them, put them into a new pot at this point because they're both kind of heavy feeders. They'll be really root-bound and probably used up most of the nourishment in that soil. And if you don't, if they're already in a bigger pot, maybe you can just pull them out and just knock some of the root ball off, take about 25%, 30% off of the root ball and 
just put new soil into the same pot is another way you could deal with that. And then just continue to, to, to grow. Um, and when they get a bunch of new growth, both of those, you can take cuttings off really easy. So in two or three weeks, you'll get a whole bunch of new growth. At that time, if you decide you want to take a few cuttings, um, it's really easy to do at that time um, as well. <clears throat> All right. And we got a, you guys rock. Thanks. So that was nice. So good job, Terry. All right. And if you have time, can you talk a bit more about Rage? Um, yeah, Rage is a seaweed-based fertilizer. It has bat guano and all kinds of good stuff. Actually, Sheldon is going to be on the show next week. Um, he is the gentleman who who created the Rage Plus from Evolve. So he's going to join Terry and I next week um, on the show, and we're going to chat about all the good things that Rage um, can do. Um, we've we have pictures of it that people have sent us where a third of a of a birch tree didn't leaf out use rage plus within three to four weeks it pushes life back into the tissue it's a it's a great fertilizer and uh and so anyways that that is one and that's going to be we're going to be putting it through our green it up team this year as well we're going to be deep root injecting rage this spring so if you have those birch trees or in your garden you, and you want us to come in and uh, raid your yard, we can do it. Um, we're going to deep root inject um, the rage into the into the garden, into the trees for people. So Mark is working on that, getting that all lined up for, for our Green It Up division. And uh, so we'll be able to uh, offer that service as well. You'll be able to still buy it in the store, obviously, and, and apply it for yourself. But it's an organic... Um, base fertilizer, and <laughs> this has so many good things. We kind of, I, I feel like almost just like a super compost, Terry. Like I don't know what else to really how to, and and that's where Sheldon. I want to get him on to talk about this so we can uh, um, learn a bit more about what it can do, what it's good for, and and really it's good for everything. So it's not what it's not good for, but um, we're, we're going to get filled in on on all the rage. <laughs> and that is all the rage. So, yeah. and if you, yeah, so listen in next week. Um, be to uh, to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and can you use straw in place of mulch? Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the straw. I just find it doesn't look great in the garden. And you have to clean it out and get rid of it, and it doesn't really compost well. So I, I think it attracts mice. That so I'm not a huge fan of the straw. I know a lot of people love it and use it for protection. Um, I, I just think there's just better ways if you're amending your soil using compost or sea soil or, or some of the other things that you can just mix in the soil and and rather than straw. But if you have straw available and you want to cover up some of those tender plants, Terry, what you know, why not, right? Yeah, just with my, my th first thought with straw is that it just moves around too much. It doesn't seem to lock in very well. So um, yeah. we get some pretty high winds here, so it's just one that you might have to chase around your your yard a little bit. So if you've <coughs> yeah, got a way to, to lock it around the crown of a plant um, uh, in a maybe non-windy spot, would work good. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Terry, and thanks for joining me on a very cold morning. We good thing right. we didn't have to go outside to do this. And yeah. uh, thanks for everybody for listening and for joining. Lots of texts. I appreciate it. Um, and we'll be here right next week getting our garden on on QR Calgary.